You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are so excited and so happy to have Weldon Williams Jr. as our guest today. He is a former Duke Blue Devil that played under Coach K's leadership from 1982 to 1986. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today, Mr. Williams? I'm feeling very well, but please don't call me Mr. Williams. It makes me feel so old. You can just call me Weldon. Okay, <laughs> thank you for that. So Weldon, tell us a little bit about yourself and your early passion to play basketball. Yeah, I'm a, a native of this small town outside of Chicago called Joliet where my family eventually packed us up and moved us to uh, University Park where literally basketball has been a part of my life as long as I can remember. Some of the first things that I remember as a child was my father packing me up and taking me over to Noel Park in in Joliet and me sitting on the hood of his car watching him play basketball. Um, You know, he gave me my first ball, put on the back of our garage, we had an alley uh, he put a basketball hoop up, uh, and and what's funny is that the uh, backboard was uh, was a was a was an old white tape a table that he had painted white. He put and it was a big round table, and he put the rim up. And I can remember uh, spending countless hours just shooting hoops out in the back. Um, just uh, basketball's just been a part of my my life, my family's life, uh, as long as I can remember. And um, you know. Uh, the first movie I remember uh, as a kid was one honoring Robbie Benson, where he uh, ended up going to Western University uh, on a basketball scholarship. They gave him a Corvette and everything. And all I could remember is that one day that's going to be me. So uh, uh, basketball has been a, been, a, been a huge part of my life. Okay. Um, so I remember us having a conversation before and you kind of talked about you had uh, numerous Division One athletes in your family. At what point did you realize that, wow, I really have an opportunity to play at, a, at the next level? And, and that, you know, that, that's an interesting question, Evan. And I say that because uh, growing up, I never thought of it like, oh, play at the next level. It just, I automatically assumed I played basketball, I couldn't play anymore. Um, I did have, as you mentioned, uh, well, actually, several Division One players uh, on uh, in my family. I had one. Uh, his name is Keith Douglas. Um, he played basketball at uh, Kansas. That's when I really started on that. We, I, this is something that could be potentially something that I could do. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it was a big goal uh, to basketball. Uh, the goal for me and and as as um and my family was that we all had to go to college that was just it was it was just um you know my father uh, was the first one in his family to have actually attended and he ended up not finishing and uh, his his goal and and his aspiration for all of us was that each of us had to get a college education um and i saw basketball for my parents not to have to pay for it because uh, you know like most black families, we didn't we didn't have a whole lot, and uh, my parents both worked, and and I saw this as a great chance for me to get an education but not have to pay for it. So, 
playing college basketball quickly became something more than just uh, just me fulfilling a dream and potentially uh, playing at at a big level. It was how college. Hey, well, this is Kelvin right here. Um, question I have for you. I appreciate that that answer right there. But I want to talk and talk about Duke a little bit. Um, a little bit of research I did said that your class, eighty two class, was top rank on Bleacher Report for the most important class of Duke history. Could you, uh, you know, tell me why you think that class got the number one ranking? Um, I wish I could say it's because I was on the team. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the, 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 the um, what was interesting is that the Duke program, um, it was actually, a, it had a very strong history until Coach K came. Say it like that. Not to take the, the besmirched coach. I think he's a, he's done a phenomenal job. Um, but um, when you look at the history, the, uh, the, the 77, 78 Duke basketball team ended up going to the final four with Gene Banks. And um, soon, you know, when Coach K came in 80, they had a very good year that year. Um, I think they went 27, 13 or something like that. But then after that, it just went straight downhill. Um, the program was floundering. And um, I know Coach um, had tried to get some of the top recruits uh, prior the year before uh, we, we showed up, um, but he always finished second. And literally the year that uh, we signed, and I say we, I'm talking about myself, uh, Johnny Dawkins, uh, Jay Billis, Mark Allery, um, David Henderson. There's another gentleman by the name of Bill Jackman. Um, um, when the six of us signed, there wasn't a team really that um, uh, signed as many what I'll call top players. Every last one of us was in the top 50 in the country. Uh, no team had signed that many players uh, except for Georgia Tech. They had the number two recruiting class that year. Um, and basically the expectation was that we were going to turn things around and help do come back into a place uh, of, uh, of previous glory. Well, uh, our freshman year didn't turn out because we ended in the 17. There was big questions as to whether or not the, uh, the program would be able to, uh, well, Coach K would be able to withstand the, the torrent of uh, – of, of, of boosters who were actually asking for his job. Um, what made, I think, our class unique was the, of the five of us that stayed, um, we were all committed to the program, committed to you know, sacrificing and doing what was necessary to win. And um, as a result, I think that we proved that you know, the, the collective is greater than the individual. But what made us great, I think, is Johnny Dawkins, and I'll leave it like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well then, um, according to my research, you are actually number eight out of the top ten Chicago top recruits for the Duke program. So, um, so um, Suns Times, Chicago Times, know that. So you are a big part of that. But what I wanted to know was, I did get a chance to watch the documentary um, that the the this documentary that ESPN did uh, talks about saving the Duke program, that class of 80, um, class of 86, 
that saved Dukes, saved um, Coach K. But in that, I want to know why did you pick Duke? Um, because it was not popular to go to Duke during that time. And you've been one of the top recruits out of Chicago, Illinois, excuse me, Illinois. Why did you pick Duke? At the time, uh, the school I actually wanted to go to was Tennessee. And um, I, was, I was actually heavily recruited, coming out of Chicago, recruited by obviously DePaul at the time. Um, good friend of mine uh, by the name of Walter Downing was playing there and he was really trying to get me to come and play with him. Uh, my cousin, uh, Bruce Douglas, was going to the University of Illinois um, and he was trying to, he was talking to me to try to play there. My coach wanted me to go to uh, Indiana. Um, but again, Tennessee was where I really wanted to go. And, and when I told my father I wanted to go to Tennessee, um, he looked me in the eyes and he says, you're a free education. You want to get the best education that you can get. Um, and Tennessee is not where, where I'm going to let you go. And kind of broke my heart. Uh, even now, to this day, I'm a huge Tennessee fan. Um, love Knoxville, love the campus. Um, but because of that, um, it really meant that for him to tell me that, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do what my dad says. So it, it came down to Princeton to do or, or to um, 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 Michigan. And I didn't care much for the Ann Arbor campus. Uh, Princeton, my parents would have to pay for college. Remember, said the reason why I'm getting, I'm going to college is I'm going to go for free, and so I I, I made the choice to go to Duke. Um, had I thought about it, now I'm you know 50 56 years old, um, you know reflect upon experiences and all of that. Uh, would I have made a different decision? Um, most likely not. Uh, because I walked out of Duke, uh, had a privilege of playing with a great group of guys. I walked away with a phenomenal degree uh, and the love of my life. And, um, you know, uh, I've built a great life as a result. I really love the fact that one of the things that you took into account was the quality of education that you would receive. I think a lot of times young athletes, they're just looking at you know, where can I go to get the most recognition or to get my name out there? And I think it's very important um, that our athletes do account as well for that academic part of it. So now that we established your decision to play at Duke, um, tell us a little bit of, of what your experience was um, playing under Coach K. Now that's an that's an inch. I knew you would ask that question because that's the only reason why we're talking. Um, that's a, you know, if I've um, my emotions and my um, goal as it pertains to my experience at Duke, um, I've got several dubious honors. One of them is, um, and, and this will talk about the the, the hot. The, the cold portion portion of it versus the hot. Um, one of them, I'm the only player that I know of uh, that has been recruited and has gone there four years and never started a game. And uh, and this is one of the Coach K recruits. Um, and for a long time, that left me a tad bitter because uh, I I was. I actually made some mistakes in my, uh, my freshman year, resulting in 
uh, me going on academic probation. And um, as a result of that, um, my father actually afterwards, because um, I had actually petitioned the school to get back in and uh, was de denied um, and was told I had to set out for two semesters. And my father actually wanted me to transfer to Northwestern as a result of it, because he felt that um, being away from home, uh, it was just too much for me and that I needed to uh, really, you know, back where he could come in and, and make a, make a, uh, have a greater impact on, um, on, on, my, on my daily living. Um, but I made the decision I wanted to go back. And uh, I remember that my father ended up, uh, he and I got into a major argument and I called Coach K up and said, I want to come back. Um, I know I can't be in class for the semester, but can I come back? And, and, and he says, yes, I'll help you get a job. So he actually helped me get a job. And, and that what would have been my first semester of my sophomore year, uh, I was not in school. Now, what makes this story is from that point forward, my career at Duke as a from a basketball standpoint was lackluster at best. Um, the highlight that I had um, playing at Duke probably my freshman year, we were playing Georgia Tech um, and um, literally Georgia Tech again had the number two recruiting class. Um, I got into the game and literally lost my mind and um, just had a great game probably the best game I had, well, the only game I had during freshman year that was stellar, and it was pegged to the next game, which and I make of um, missing curfew. Uh, and because I missed curfew, uh, Coach K uh, sat me on the bench, dressed me on my suit, and um, I didn't play another second uh, the, in, in the freshman year. Coming back to Duke was for me um, two things. One, a a bitter uh, reminder from a basketball standpoint of a mistake I made my freshman year, but two, an opportunity that adversity does not define me and that there is not an option. And so um, playing for Coach K was hard. Um, it was because um, at 19, 20, 22 years old, I felt as if a good portion of, um, of what I was receiving uh, was not necessarily based upon talent, but it was based upon the fact that I didn't know whether he wanted me to be there. Um, because oftentimes I felt being there, that I was there because he made a commitment to me and my parents that um, if I chose Duke, that I would graduate and I would graduate on time. And I will say this, he did everything in his power to ensure that I had everything to graduate. I'm proud to say I did, even though I actually set out for two semesters. Uh, I graduated with the guys I came in with, uh, with a degree in biomedical engineering. And then I've had a phenomenal career in manufacturing um, and no regret ever. So playing for him, um, sometimes I didn't think he was fair, uh, but the one thing I always thought is I always thought he had integrity.
And at the end of the day, um, I tell folks that you've only got two things in this world. You've got your word and your family, and you need to protect them both. And I think that Coach K does a phenomenal job with both. I know I, know I didn't answer your question, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, you you did. You actually provided a full and broad um, perspective of your experience. So I definitely do appreciate that. So Weldon, uh, you say your your father went to college, but he wasn't able to finish. Uh, and one of your major goals is receive education, uh, free education. So how do you think or how do you feel looking back on it? Uh, Coach K dealt with you as uh, a first-generation college student or a first-ish generation college student, particularly a black male first-generation-ish college student. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I would say that um, how he dealt with me, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, I've got two perspectives on that. The first one is a perspective of a 22 year old. I thought he dealt with me poorly. Um, because my biggest challenge in showing up at Duke was that um, the only family or, or relations that I had was the basketball program. That was it. Um, when I showed up in, in Durham, um, Unfortunately, all the players but myself had already been down there uh, at a program called STP, which is Summer Transition Program. So they all were there. They had relationships. They had known each other. I showed up late. I don't know why I wasn't in STP. Um, it might have been my GPA or what have you. I don't know. Um, but when I finally got there, um, it was about me becoming part of something that was already there. Uh, and being the one who came from uh, the second furthest, or what, well, third furthest, because uh, Mark came from Phoenix and, and Jay from California, uh, but they, they, they had all started bonding. Now I have to build the relationships that, uh, that I didn't have. And that's the first challenge. The second challenge is that then um, I wasn't really afforded the opportunity early on. Uh, Coach K, um, I, th I think that I made the mistake of being the first one to have signed uh, a letter of intent of the, of the, of the group because once uh, I signed, then all of a sudden there was this snowball of individual signing. And I don't know if Coach K had intended to bring all of us in. I think that some of us were, some, some may have been back, backups, uh, you know, that you have, uh, you know, in Division One, they, they, they have their first tier and then they have their second tier. Uh, there's a gentleman who was uh, by the name of Bill Jackman, who I firmly believe that coach really wanted him and felt that he was uh, the right fit for the program. And as a result, I was always competing with Bill for, for playing time. Uh, but Bill was bigger, could shoot a lot better, um, wasn't as fundamentally sound as I was, but he could shoot a lot better. And um, I think that that was, you know, with me signing early, then Bill signing, um, he got two for the price of one and, he, and, and it helped bolster his team. Um, so I have this disconnect where I'm not playing. Um, I don't know people as well. Uh, David and Johnny uh, and I hit it off real well and started to build a bond, but I wasn't 
you know, the thing that, that I had been very successful in, um, I, I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't getting it. And so as a result, um, I was looking for, um, I was looking for someone who would at least affirm me um, and wasn't really getting it from a basketball standpoint. And so I started elsewhere and I ended up pledging a fraternity. Um, uh, shout out to the Q's uh, my freshman year. And um, they became my surrogate family there. Um, you know, what, what, what resonates in my mind was that Thanksgiving, uh, that first Thanksgiving away from home. And I mind you, I've been at Thanksgiving my entire life in, with my family. And my first Thanksgiving away from my home, uh, I, wasn't, I was only invited to go, uh, I ended up spending Thanksgiving at a gentleman who become my mentor. His name is Charles Harris, a great man. Um, he's the one that actually convinced me that I wanted to um, uh, become part of, uh, of the fraternity. Um, but his family was the one who opened up their home to me for Thanksgiving. Um, no one, I wasn't invited. Now, I'm sure that coach says something in order, if you don't have any place to go, you can come. But that's different. You know, that's different than saying, you know, I want you to be there. And so I, I don't think that he understood that aspect. I think he understands it now because I know you, you hear him talk about the brotherhood and things of that nature. But that didn't exist when I first showed up there. It, not at all. Uh, now, when I think back on it, I think that, you know, uh, one, I realized that he was really young. I didn't, you know, he felt old because I was so young, but he was young and he was learning. And, uh, you know, he's in his 30s. He was, he was figuring it out. And I think that the mistakes he's made with us, uh, and not just me, again, he's, at the, he's made mistakes with all of us. He's learned from them. And um, players have had better experiences um, who have made some of the same mistakes that I've made um, at Duke because of it. And so I hope I answered your question. No, that's good. That's perfect. You, you, you answered it. You answered it. I think you answered it with grace. <laughs> it well, then I, that was part of that was part of my next question to ask you honestly. Um, last week, I don't know if you know it or not, we we talked to uh, another Duke Blue Blue Devil, um, Gerald Henderson Jr. Yeah. Um, and he took he said something uh, that was kind of head on what you said. He said that if Coach K didn't trust you then he wasn't going to really deal with you. Uh, we was talking to him about players and recruiting. So um, I guess I have two questions. Um, I think you answered one of them pretty good already. When did you see, like going over the years of watching Duke basketball, when did you see his transition as a coach, um, far as Coach K? And the other question I would ask you also is, why didn't you just transfer? Um, <laughs> because you obviously were a really talented player. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just transfer, but, you know, so those two questions. Wow. Okay. I'll answer the second one first and then the first <laughs> one. Why didn't I just transfer? You know what? Um, I, my wife, um, she says I should have transferred. Uh, my father said I, sh at the time he told me I should transfer. My mother wish I had transferred. Um, if basketball was my aim and basketball was my life, then 
transferring should have been the right thing to do. I could have gotten a, again, I told you, when I failed out, my, my father had already contacted the coach at Northwestern and the coach at Northwestern basically had um, told him, hey, we'll take him. Uh, he'll have to sit out obviously the year, but we'll take him and we'll take care of him and, and he'll play. And, and, and that's what he, my father was like, you can go to Northwestern. Um, I didn't transfer at the time, I'll call it youthful pride. I had never failed anything in my life. Um, all throughout school, this is grade school through high school, I was in the top 5% in my class. In eighth grade, I was the number, I graduated number one in my class, okay? Um, failure, academic failure was not an option. It, it just wasn't. And for the first time in my life, I was in a place where uh, someone was telling me I couldn't do something. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's not, that's not what I'm made of. And um, I have learned that um, I am shaped more by my failures than I am by my successes. And uh, it's easy to rest when you're at the top of the food chain, but it's so, so, uh, takes so much more tenacity and so much more um, courage and, and strength of character to rise above uh, and, 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 and not allow your failures to determine your future. And so, um, again, I've, I've never had a major argument with my father. I remember that day, the argument was so fierce when I told him I wanted to go back that my mother said uh, afterwards, I don't know, I don't care where you go, but you're gonna have to leave because you can't, you can't be here. Not like that. And, and the reason why, because I was just resolved that I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't allow that to define me. Little did I know, going back to, um, you know, what you said uh, that Gerald, knew, that if Coach K doesn't trust you, you know, and the reality of it is, um, I don't think that he did. Um, I don't think he trusted me. I think that he felt be, because my failure uh, demonstrated to him that I was not fully committed to the program, uh, that I couldn't be trusted uh, with more. And so as a result, uh, by going back, I relegated, I, I was making a, a real decision, I should say, about what was most important to me. Is it, is it academics uh, uh, and, and, and overcoming the failure or basketball? And, and I basically said, overcoming the failure in academics is more important. And so that's why I went back. Um, now, the, the second question, when I saw the turn, um, I, you would not have seen it. Um, and the only reason why I even know about it is because um, I have, uh, I, I, I get the stuff on the rumor mill, okay? Um, again, I told you that my failure uh, happened where, you know, um, I ended up failing two classes my, my second semester of my sophomore year, or my freshman year, I should say. And so because you fail two classes you in, in your freshman year, uh, you do what they call punch. That means you have to set out for two semesters. Uh, I petitioned to, um, to, to not have to set out for those two semesters. One of the semesters, the summer, summer term can count as one of those semesters. 
Um, so I petitioned that, uh, that I could get back into school um, and told, you know, I petitioned. And my petition had gotten all the way up and um, I had gotten a phone call from somebody. They said that uh, yeah, they, were, they were playing tennis with one of the deans and the dean had said to, to this person, hey, it looks, uh, it looks like your boy got back into school, um, that they, they're going to approve him. They just have to have a meeting right now uh, with uh, some people, and I'm, I'm not gonna tell you who the people are, but it's a meeting with the people, and that um, if they're fine with it, he'll get back in in the fall. Well, um, I was excited. I told my parents, looks like I'm gonna be back, and, and we were all excited, and uh, then I got a letter uh, a week and a half later that basically said that uh, I was not going, that my petition was denied. I was taken back by that because I had a friend um, who was just on academic, I mean, wasn't even on academic scholarship. He was just there. And he had a similar situation where he failed to, and I told him what I did, and he made the petition and he got back in. So something happened between the time in which my friend had spoken and um, and and when I got my rejection letter, and I concluded it had to be whoever they had spoken to, uh, basically told them they didn't recommend bringing me back. Anyways, long story short, another basketball player fell into a similar situation, and um, if you notice, no other Duke basketball player has sat out for academics. And um, again, I know this player did fall into the same situation, uh, but that individual was able to come back into the program and, and, and did not have to sit out. Um, I know that the reason why is because Coach K was an advocate for that individual, and whereas he may not have been an advocate for me. Um, and it was at that point that um, I, it was bittersweet but it was sweet nonetheless because I was happy that somebody else at least benefited from the pain that I had gone through uh, because um, the, 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 the work I had to put in to ensure that I graduated on time with my, with my classmates um, was more than, uh, was harder than I would ever have anticipated and more than I would have, if I had to do it over again, I probably would have said, I'm not gonna graduate with them. But it was a principle for me. Um, and I think that the loss of that one semester made, was the difference between uh, uh, a whole lot of other things uh, because uh, subsequently a lot of other decisions um, that I, I had to make on my life um, changed like i went to duke with the intention of being a doctor but because of the uh, uh a lot amount of work and all that i actually put that to the side and said you know what um no i'm not going to do that so there was there there were some costs uh that i don't think that people should necessarily have to pay but i saw it and it was somewhere um uh it was before it was before 1990 let me put it like that okay Thanks. Beautifully answered. Thanks. Uh, I have a, actually now is a two part question. Um, so let me ask the first one. The first one is how's your relationship with um, coach 
and um, he did issue out uh, a statement, I think, last week. Yeah, I'm uh, and and it felt like some people felt that he took too long with that. How do you feel about that? Uh, my relationship with I think the I think the world of Coach K. Um, my relationship with him is strong. Um, I will say this that um, I am very grateful because um, when um, when I wanted to come back and I, I've spent a lot of time talking about my the, the the me failing out he kept his word and he could very well have said no i don't want him back um there was another player the, the other player i told you bill jackman he didn't come back he left um but coach k he kept his word he said well he says uh i recruited him uh i told him that if he if he played for me that he would be able to get a degree and, and get the degree in the, in the, in the study that he And he, he kept his word. And at the end of the day, um, man's only got two things, his family and his word, and he protected them. And, and so I'm eternally grateful for that because he didn't have to do that. And many coaches nowadays wouldn't have. Many coaches would have said, because what, what folks don't know is that you don't get a four-year scholarship your scholarship is renewed every year. And they could very well have just let me go, but he, he chose not to. Um, so um, as it pertains to his statement, um, I don't think he took too long. Um, I thought that, um, I know that one, one of the things that he did was um, he really consulted with all of his, um, all of his players, all the, people who are part of this brotherhood. He talked to all of them to find out where their heads were to try to understand and to hear. Um, and I think that that's, that's why it felt like it's too long. Um, the reality of it is, um, this is this is a marathon and people don't realize uh, we're at a turning point in our nation's history where uh, for the first time, um, uh, you know, we have a, a, a congealing of, of, of all races where everybody's coming together and saying, wait a minute, pause for a second. This has gone on too long. It's not right. Um, you know, I, uh, when asked about all the violence and all of that, you know, I, I told people, I said, you got to understand something. Um, I grew up at a time when um, in the history books, they've tried to villainize uh, Malcolm X. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we gave Dr. King sainthood. And we were told that the best way to get results was through um, was 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 through peaceful protest. Um, well, this is a new day and age where we've got young people who have gotten a right to history. They they see it for the way it is, and Malcolm is not villainized. He's not um, as he should never have been, right? And Dr. King is not villainized as he should never have been. But they're also looking at us, and I'm talking about folks of my generation, they're saying, you said peaceful protests, that this is how we could get justice, and look how that's turned out. And so then they, when they look at Malcolm, what does Malcolm say? He says, by whatever means necessary. And so is it any wonder that you've got a generation of people who are saying, you know what, we'll be peaceful, but make no mistake about it, we're going to get justice this time. We're going to see it. 
and that they're willing to, to do what's necessary. So when I look at it and look at what's going on, I'm reminded this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, Coach K, he could have come out sooner. Oh, yeah, a whole lot of folks could have come out sooner. But the fact that he's coming out and he's making a statement should say something. Do I want him to say more? Most definitely, I want him to say more. And I think he will say more. Um, but, you know, for the, for the Coach K's of the world, where's everybody else's voices too? Absolutely. Um, I really love that answer. And this question is along the same vein. Do you think college basketball players as well as college coaches, should they be using their platform to speak out about injustices or should they take the Michael Jordan approach? I don't know if you watched The Last Dance um, and it was an issue when Mr. Gant was running for office in North Carolina. And essentially, Jordan said, look, I just wanted to play basketball. That's what I was here to do. Um, you know, I supported him financially in the background, but my job is to play basketball. Do you think athletes should have that position or should they utilize the platforms that they have um, for social justice? That's hilarious that you're bringing that up. Um, the answer to the question is to whom much is given, much is required, period. Now that being, that being said, um, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take it easy, even though, even though Michael played at Carolina, he is my fraternity brother, so I'm gonna take it easy on him and, and I'm gonna be gracious because he's also a trailblazer. Um, for, if, if you remember, he's probably the first athlete who branded himself, okay? And what, he's, what he did uh, opened up the opportunities uh, beyond our, under, our, our understanding for, for folks ranging from the LeBron Jameses of the world to the Jay-Zs of the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he became a brand. And so I understand what he's saying. Um, would I like him to have done more? Most definitely. But I think that in this day and age, the athletes have to do more. And the reason why they have to do more is because uh, beyond at the time when, when Michael was being idolized, it's different today. The way these the way that our young people look at the the the, the people in the media. Uh, they, I mean, Kanye, classic example, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the pull that he has, uh, whether you agree with his politics or not, the pull that he has uh, is, 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 is scary in some form or fashion. And my fear is that there's only a single voice that's speaking mm -hmm. and, 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 and our young people then um, become a homogenous voice. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we as a black community have to, and all of our diversity and all of our splendor, let people know and help people to understand that you don't fix the problem by appeasing one black person. You don't resolve the problem by uh, uh, answering one black call. That this is a systemic, these are systemic challenges and, and 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 because of systemic challenges 
you have to put more of us at the table. Yes. Yes, I love that. I mean, I don't even need to add a thing to what you just said. I think uh, if I were to conclude this interview with the final question, it would probably be for the black athletes who are going, uh, leaving home, going to college now, what would you caution them to keep in mind uh, as they embark upon these campuses, go to these PWIs, these different institutions, and, and even we see some going to HBCUs, but what would you caution them in uh, to learn from maybe what you learned in your experience as a Division One athlete? Um, that's a tough question. The first, <clears throat> um, the first thing I would remind them is uh, be authentic. Be authentic. What I mean by that is be um, don't don't allow the system to change who you are. Um, it's so easy to get lost when you show up to college, but it's completely different if you remember who you are and why you're there. Uh, the second thing I would I would I would uh, challenge him is to the people who are important in your life keep them important in your life. Um, you know I was fortunate enough to have a strong support system uh, when I showed up to college, um, and my my greatest failing happened when that support system crumbled under me where I didn't call upon them and lean on them. Um, your support system is vital. Uh, and then the final thing is remember that um, you're not gonna play the sport forever. Every last one of us hangs up the shoes. I hung mine up at the age of 22. Um, some people are fortunate enough to hang them up at 38 and 40. But guess what? Everybody hangs them up. And if that's the case, you, you should be sitting your, your, your eye on the day that you're going to hang them up. That means if you're going to play in the NBA, you need to be very mindful of your money, how you spend your money, what you do uh, with your money and all of that uh, to set you up afterwards. If the NBA is not your not your goal or not your your end destination which most of us it's not our end destination that you need to make sure that you've got a degree that that you can leverage uh, have a life that you're going to leverage afterwards uh, because far too many athletes uh who played at the division one level um end up in in jobs that um that are not fulfilling um and you know that whole adage uh if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life is true and, and I'm fortunate enough, I've got three sons. Uh, um, the youngest one I, that I, I, I mentioned that I'm really thankful for, uh, since he was six years old, he wanted to be an architect. And uh, he's starting with an architectural firm on Monday. Uh, and, and, and this has been his dream. And, and he will never work a day in his life. And that should be our goals. Our goals should be really to do what, we, what we're passionate about. And, uh, and, and be that change that we want to see in the world. Thank you for that. And I guess with 
those final parting words, um, the interview has come full circle. It reminds me of a quote by Nelson Mandela where he says, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And I think that advice for athletes, even if playing basketball um, is something you're looking to do, whether it's short-term or long-term, don't short yourself on the education part of it. I think that is so um, very important um, for people to understand. Um, Weldon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really enjoyed having you. Um, your words were insightful. Um, they were inspiring. And I have a few new quotes that I can live by um, going forward in my life. So I really appreciate having you on. Um, the team appreciates having you on. And we hope that you would come back in the future. Well, thank you. I'm honored and humbled. Uh, and you guys are great. We wanted to give Weldon an opportunity to share um, any initiatives or any organizations um, that he would like to highlight today. Yeah, if there's, if, you, if there's a couple organizations I really am impressed with the work that they're doing, the first one is uh, an organization called My Block, My Hood, My City. Uh, it's founded by a young man by the name of Jamal Cole. He, um, really impressive young fella, uh, I've, I've seen uh, him on television a lot. And really what he's trying to do is block by block, transform the city uh, and uh, by really pouring his life into the lives of the, of the young people there, uh, mentoring and helping them to navigate through uh, some of the challenges that inner city youth have. And the other one is 100 Black Men of Chicago. I have a very good friend friend who's, who's a part of that organization. And really, I'm, I'm really uh, excited about the work that they're trying to do. Again, providing mentorship, because uh, specifically in the African-American community, far too often, we don't have strong uh, Black men pouring themselves back in, especially those who have made it, in order to help uh, somebody else uh, get through. And as uh, all of us know that uh, each of us stands on the shoulders of somebody who went before us.